Hey, y'all, it's Erica Looning, and this is my podcast, Uplift. So I have been trying to bring this podcast back to life for at least a month now. And when I tell you that everything that can go wrong has gone wrong, like, and you know, like I have limited time with four kids and I have one, one at home. So when I have time to do something, like I have to get it done in that time. It's likely that I won't be able to come back to it. And of course, every time I come to sit down doing a podcast, something happens where the internet doesn't work or the I leave my microphone. It's been one thing after the other. So actually last week I had this moment where I was like, you know what, maybe I'm not supposed to do this, that my time is so limited and I keep fighting to have this podcast and it's not working. So maybe this is like my sign that I should just throw on the towel on this and use my energy and time elsewhere. And then today in my Bible study, I got a completely different message. And it was like, do not give up when things get hard. This is not who you are. You persevere. You are strong and you can get through this. Like how bad do you want it? And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to go home and I'm going to get this done. And so right now, if you're watching on video, I'm in my two little boys room. I made the bed and set up my stuff. And I was like, let's go because pretty soon, Brennan will be home and I'll have to take care of him. So here we go. So in the spirit of perseverance, I wanted to share, start sharing with you in a series of podcasts, my story of how I built Undaunted Fitness. This is my boot camp gym in Metairie, Louisiana. I started it in my backyard and we're now in a warehouse building in Metairie, over 9,000 square feet. I'm not exactly sure, but that is, that is a lot of space. And my house that I started in was very small. So we were like, we maybe had like 200 square feet in my backyard. So here we go. I want to tell you all about it. So first, I'm going to take you back to when I was in college. I started off at LSU. My best friend died there. And it just wasn't the same. So I came home and I was going to go to UNO. Well, that same month that I was supposed to start UNO, Katrina hit. So I had to evacuate. And where do I end up? Back at LSU. Only this time I had nowhere to live because I gave up my dorm and I didn't have anyone there. So I was kind of just bouncing around from sofa to sofa, sleeping in my car, whatever. My dad ended up getting a hotel room from FEMA and I stayed there for about a week. So I ended up coming back home to UNO, realizing that that was not going to work. And I truly didn't want to live at LSU with the memories of my friend not there. And I enrolled in the exercise physiology program in it, at UNO, and it was totally not the same, I imagine, as it was before because we didn't have a lot of teachers back. There wasn't much going on in the city, you know. Everybody was still rebuilding. So all of my classes were online. At this time, I was also working in a bar. And the money was good because everybody had thousands of dollars that they were given from FEMA. And we had a lot of construction workers coming into the bar. And it was like endless parties, night after night after night, which is funny because I had like two personalities at this time. I'm going to school learning to learning exercise physiology. And so some of my classes are running, weight training, you know, all about health. And then I'm working in a bar at night drinking, binge, uh, binge drinking, smoking like endless 
amounts of cigarettes and just like living the dream, making all this money. This is where my life was in shambles. At the time, I had fun and I thought I had it all together. And now looking back and seeing the journey that I've made through that time to now, like I had no confidence unless I was drinking. And not just drinking unless I was drunk. Like you would not catch me dancing in front of a crowd unless I was wasted. And I didn't drink just to drink. I didn't enjoy the taste of anything. I drank beer and I don't even like beer. I drank to get wasted. I drank to see like what version of Erica would come out, which is kind of scary because there's lots of them. So through this time, I had really unhealthy habits. I drank, I smoked, I ate fast food, I gained a ton of weight. And when I found out I was pregnant with my daughter, I knew all that had to change, which it did instantly. I didn't smoke when I was pregnant and drink when I was pregnant. And I started changing my eating habits. But the problem was, is that I gained over 65 pounds when I was pregnant with her. And that took a toll on me. So the day I went in to have Riley, I weighed in at 199 pounds. It was the most I had ever weighed before. I was completely appalled, but my saving grace was that I didn't hit 200 pounds. For some reason, that was like, uh, okay, well, I'm good. Like, thank God I did not hit 200 pounds. I also had this idea that, you know, like the placenta would come out, my blood volume would come down, then you got to account for the baby. So like surely I probably had like 10 pounds to lose and I could easily do that in a month and that didn't happen. It was probably a month later when the reality of all this was starting to set in and I went to my mother-in-law's house with my husband to swim and it was just us, family and the baby. And I didn't have a bathing suit that fit me because all my little bikinis from before were like fanny floss. <laughs> it was not happening. It was like putting shoestrings on, you know. So I asked my sister-in-law if she has just a shirt and shorts that I can wear. And she did, except they didn't fit. And they were like big clothes. I was humiliated. I was like, I cannot believe I don't even fit into her big t-shirt and shorts. So I went to Kmart to get a bathing suit. You know, nothing's going to stop me. I got that energy. And when I get there, all they have left are the mama bathing suits. And this is May. So they sh- there should be bathing suits. I just feel like this was all part of the plan to like shake me because I needed a wake up call. So I settle on this pink and purple bathing suit. It's a one piece, which I'd never worn in my adult life, like I probably since I was five. So I was mortified that I had to wear one piece and then it was so ugly. So I go upstairs at my mother-in-law's house. I put on this bathing suit and it totally rips me apart. Like I can't even believe who I see in the mirror. It's not me. It's this fat girl that has no hope and no confidence and no energy and no smile. And it wasn't me. And so I took my first ever before picture except I held it in front of the mirror and I put it in front of my face to make sure that if this picture ever got out god forbid someone sees this picture I would be able to to deny it's me because the camera's blocking my face and that was it that was day one I went I cried I went down in the hot tub and I was like I'm not going to tolerate this anymore I am fed up this is not the life for me 
I deserve to be happy and enjoy my baby and make memories and like having this depressed life that I put myself into is not going to work. I had to raise my standards. And so from there, I did. And in my coaching, I go through the process that that took me from that that point to a completely different mindset. It's an activity we do because mindset shifts are the game changer. When you start believing in yourself, everything changes. When you start believing that you are worth it, everything changes. When you start knowing that you are going to go after your goal no matter what and you're not going to stop, it doesn't matter like come hell or high water. It doesn't matter if you have a million kids. It doesn't matter if you don't have time, if you don't have money. Like when you know that there is nothing that will stop you or stand in your way or slow you down, you are going to bulldoze through every obstacle to get to your goal. It will happen. And that is the fire that was lit in me because I was so fed up. And so I take my clients through the same mental crossover process. So if you ever are, decide to work with me or get to work with me, like you, it's one of the most life-changing processes that you can go through. And I'd love for you to experience that. So from here, I have to change everything because like I told you, I'm a drinker and a smoker, not a midnight toker, but I mean, I might as well have been at this point. <laughs> and so I had to change everything which meant a lot of friendships changed as well since I wasn't in bars, which was hurtful and a lot for me to consume at this point. It was just like, what else? You know, like, but from here, birthed my new life and has given me life. Like everything came from this. So I decided after I graduated from UNO with my degree in exercise physiology, I lost the weight. I lost over... I lost 30 pounds to start. And for me, that 30-pound weight loss was life-changing. I'd never lost that much weight before. I had, I had gained, lost and gained the same five pounds over and over again, you know, trying to do Weight Watchers and smoke cigarettes so that I'm not hungry. And then I'd drink all my points on a Monday and have to eat zero-point foods for the rest of the week, like starving, you know, like licking lettuce and sucking down air as my meals. So for me to lose 30 pounds, like it was so amazing. I was on cloud nine and it only strengthened my belief. And I was like, I want other people to feel this. I want other people who feel like they don't know where to turn. They don't know how to lose the weight. They don't know how to quit smoking or drinking. Like they want a better life and they see that for themselves. They just don't know how to do it. Or maybe they don't have the support system or maybe they're not strong enough on their own yet. I wanted to be these people's ally and their mentor. Like I am in your corner fighting with you and for you. Let's go. So I build my first business and I call it Erica Lou Fit. Erica Lou Fitness and it's in my backyard. And so I put a post on Facebook, which I had to be very brave to do that and put myself out there. And I get my first client. And from there, I had like a small group of five or so. And then it grew to a group of 10 training in my backyard. And my husband was so proud of me. We had, we had no money at the time. And he goes to Dick's and gets me a battle rope so that I can train my members. And he got me a uh, mat so that I could have like stations and one person can lay on a mat and one person could get on the battle rope. 
And I was so excited and come to find out he paid $70 for that mat, which I was like, by the way, don't ever spend $70 on a yoga mat again, please. We have zero money. But I was like so excited that he he could now see my vision and my drive and believed in me just as much, probably more. So eventually, my backyard was full of people doing circuit training, and we outgrew the backyard. Then we moved to the front yard. Then I picked up a big old tire that we used, which was really cool. And then now that we're in the front yard, our neighbors who sit out on the porches drinking wine start getting excited. And they're like, oh, I can just literally come out of my front door and head into a gym. I'm going to join. So from there, we outgrew the front yard. Like people couldn't turn down the street. You know, we were constantly having to move out of the way because we're training in the street and we used anything and everything. I was so resourceful. Like everyone brought their own dumbbells so that we can rally together and use that. I remember one day we had milk cartons that uh, milk jugs that I filled up with water. We had buckets I filled up with water that we would like haul. Um, I mean, seriously, there was nothing that we couldn't turn into like a piece of workout equipment. It was such a fun time. Then from there, we moved to City Park, which we had to kind of move around there a little bit. It wasn't a good fit. You know, people want to go to the park and be chill and not hear our bumping our rap music and yelling because I'm a yeller when I'm coaching. I'm like, yes, go. Woo, you got it. One more rep. And so when somebody's trying to read their book on the, the great lawn, like it just didn't mix. So this is where we found ourselves at the New Orleans lakefront. I'm like, this is brilliant. The views are so amazing. Like we can get a suntan. It was so, it was amazing. Like we had equipment at this time. I hauled out my car and set up every single day. We probably had about 20 people, maybe 25 people training with us. And I did it in six-week intervals so that I could take two weeks off to, you know, go over their numbers and their stats and take a little mental breather. And then I'd go back in for another six weeks. And it was just so much fun. It was so much fun building out the boot camp you know, having my vision come to life, training other people and breathing life into them that they get to see, you know, discover their strength and their worth. And just like seeing all of my dreams come to fruition, because I had always seen myself as like the fat girl, which I was never fat. But you know how we are, we look back at pictures in high school when we felt like we were so fat and like, Never could find anything to wear because we're just so fat. And then, like, you look back at your pictures and you're like, what in the world was I smoking? Like, not that I ever smoked anything bad besides cigarettes. But, like, what in the – are you kidding me? I was not fat at all. I would love to be that fat now. You know that, right? You know that feeling. I know it. Every girl goes through this. And so for me to, like, have made it – and I have a degree in exercise physiology and this credibility and I have people who trust me and we're getting results. Like it was, I was on cloud nine. I, you just could not knock me down. Then what happens is I guess all good things come to an end or not an end as I knew it then. It was a shift. I couldn't grow our business anymore. It was tough. Like when it was the middle of summer, it was so hot outside that people were like getting heat stroke. 
Like we had to take breaks to, you know, more water breaks. We're in, we had no shade, so we're in direct sunlight in New Orleans heat. It was rough. And then like when we finally get to winter, we're like, okay, this is going to be okay. Well, then we needed a shelter because we needed light and we sometimes it rained. And so I found a shelter and it was disgusting. There was rat poop everywhere. And if you weren't fighting off rats, you were fighting off the homeless. And it just like, I remember so many times there was like this one homeless guy out there smoking weed and drinking beer. And it's like, okay, if we don't have the rat poop, we have this. And now we're working out, you know, inhaling weed. And then it's so cold. The wind is coming off of the lakefront water. There was one day that I had about five people show up for class out of 20, and I can still see a picture we took together. I was on the back of one of the members. We had the most fun, and we made the most out of it, but I, we were we were decked out in clothes and beanies and gloves, and the wind coming off the lake was pushing waves up, so we were getting wet. It was freezing. I was like, this is not going to work. It was like I went from the best feeling into wor- the world to like, what now? And so from that point forward, I had to make a shift. And that is when we left the New Orleans lakefront and ventured less than 10 miles away, probably five miles away to Metairie. And I had my, oh, excuse me, a yawn came through. I had my first brick and mortar location. So I'm sharing this story with you right now because I want you to remember what I said when I started this. I almost gave up on this podcast because things were not working out, because I had a struggle, because I couldn't log into the app to actually record the episode, because my internet wouldn't work, the computer wouldn't work. Like one thing after another tried to stop me. And so I finally said, I'm done until I had a little wake up call. And like Erica Looning, it doesn't just quit like that. You stand tall. And you persevere. When things get hard, you keep going. You stand back up. So this is my perseverance moment here. I found a location for us to move boot camp into. It cost money. It was $1,000 rent plus the utilities. Well, guess what? I didn't have $1,000 extra. I was living paycheck to paycheck, boot camp to boot camp, which was like living the dream for me that I could pay my bills and do what I love, but I sure didn't have any extra money to play around with. So this was a gamble, but I bet on myself. I'm like, I just, it, I feel it. I feel like this is the right decision. This feels so right. I'm making an impact. I can't stop now. Like people are relying on me. People's lives are being changed because of me. I can't quit on them. I can't quit on my dream. I have to see this through. So I signed the lease. My gosh. (laughs) Y'all, so many things went wrong. So many things. So if you have no idea, well, first, let me tell you, like we had a group of 20 people, probably half of them actually signed up at my brick and mortar location because the other half like pretty much everybody just wanted to work out at the lakefront because it was so pretty including myself so now we're in like it was like a 1500 square foot house with a huge cement backyard except like the inside wasn't a house it looked like a house from the outside but the inside was like just open with a stage It, it was like a little church before so I don't have enough to pay my rent 
I don't have enough people that he have even moved with me to even think about covering the rent. It was kind of scary. And like, I'm already committed. Well, I had no idea that when you sign a lease on a building, like you have to get the city's approval. So I had to go after I signed the lease and do a change of use of the building. We had to change it over from a church to a gym. The city fought me at every possible end. My landlord was so nice and he came into the office with me. You know, I think they looked down on me because I was like a little girl with this little uh, side business or this little hobby is how they looked at me. And he had some experience in the office and he went in there with me so many times and fought to get this out. That was one of the hurdles. The other hurdle was my psycho next door neighbor. The first weekend I'm in there, I, well, it might not be the first weekend, but it sure feels like the first weekend in my memory. I have my daughter. I just moved her to a new school. It's her first year there. The teachers get wind of boot camp. And I have five teachers that sign up for boot camp and come in on Saturday. This guy comes into our building. His face is beet red. There's spit flying out of his mouth because he's cursing and yelling. And I have no idea what he's saying because he's yelling so loud and so like there's so many words coming out of his mouth at one time. So I can't even piece together what happened. I thought he was coming in because somebody did something to him and he needed help. Like my brain was not processing. So then he gets out, somebody parked in his parking lot next door. Now his business is closed. Not that that's anything, but like, come on, you know, give me a break. We, I'm very respectful. I always tell everybody, you know, don't park and block someone else's driveway. But like, I can't control what everyone does. And you got to have some grace. You you can't just fly off the handle like that. Uh, Well, he proved that you can. Oh, Siri's recording on my watch. So he comes into the building and there's only one other little doorway and we had the door locked and like so we felt trapped and intimidated and so somehow once he made his way to the doorway I put my hands on his chest to like gently push him back out of the doorway and the life just felt like it flooded out of me like I I I guess because like I felt evil like not that I was evil. I felt the evil in him. Like as soon as I touched him, I immediately regret it because I thought he was going to kill me. Somehow we get him out of the building. The teachers at my daughter's school had my back. One of them in particular was out there like yelling back at him. Like this was like women unite and uplift each other and we ain't going down. And if we do, we're going down together. And like, I'm, it was just, it was epic. And what a way to introduce yourself into your kid's school. But, and they didn't stick it out with me for the long haul for boot camp. But I mean, who can blame them at this point? So (laughs) I just can't even believe that this is real life. And this is just the beginning. So y'all, I mean, that day I was like, I can't believe I did this. I don't have enough money to pay these bills. And now I have a psycho neighbor to deal with. Like, what was I thinking? But you know what I did? I stuck it out. And I saw it through. Because when I have these weak moments of like, what was I thinking? I, I've 
built my mindset up so much. I've trained myself to think differently because I came from such a negative mindset years ago that I've had to read books and like reprogram another way of thinking in reprogramming in courage and reprogramming being bold and like not settling for mediocre, not settling for failure. And so when I have these moments of like, I can't believe I just did this. I'm going to lose it all. The the like stronger side of me comes in is like, who are you? You're not talking about us like that, right? Like you might feel weak over there. You can go sit over there. Let me through. I'm the bolder version of Erica. I, let me do the talking. And so I want you to know that since I've already told you I'm in a nine, over 9,000 square foot building, you know that I've made it past this building at Zenith where all of this drama started and where I took a chance on myself. So you know at this point that it has paid off. But I still have more more things to tell you about. And I'm going to go into this in next week's podcast. But for now, I want you to believe in yourself so big that you cannot fail. That even if it feels like you failed and you fall down and you are stumbling and you're on the ground on your back, it just means that you're looking up to Jesus and he's going to give you the strength you need to stand back up on your feet and you get back up every single time. That if you have something nudging in you that it's calling you like, hey, you need to do this. You need to go after this goal. Whether it's your physical health, like you need to join a gym, you need to lose some weight, you need to take care of your mental health, you've been sad for way too long, you're having trouble finding joy in life, you're having trouble smiling, you need to take care of that. Maybe it's a relationship, you know, your marriage, your friendship, some somebody in your family that you need to work on. Like maybe it's a business that you're having the calling to create. Like go create it. Get to the gym. Lose the weight. Find the energy. Change your mindset. Make yourself happy because it is your duty and obligation to do that. I do not want you to think for one second that it is okay to le- live a mediocre life living less than what you are capable of doing. You were not created from virtually nothing. I can't say nothing because God, there was something there with God. But you were not created out of thin air to be here in this moment to just be settling Like you weren't created to be on this earth being miserable and depressed. You were not created and put here in this time, this specific year to just like exist, to go to work and pay bills and come home and be miserable. You have to know that that is not normal. It might be what you see everywhere, but it's not what was meant to be for us. It's just that a lot of people will settle for average. And unfortunately, our bar for average is extremely low because a lot of people will not get out of their comfort zone. Or when you fall down, you feel like you can't get back up or you're embarrassed to get back up or you're embarrassed to try because what if you fail and what if somebody sees that? Well, so what? Because people do that all the time. But the people who succeed It's not because they haven't failed. It's because they haven't failed. They have messed up and they have failed at some things, but they haven't refused to quit. They've gotten back up. 
So that means that they have not failed. You only fail when you decide to stop trying, when you decide you're not going to do it anymore. And you have to know that you are, you're meant for more. You, it's just like if you don't wake up happy and excited to live your life, then you're, you're not living the way that you were meant to be. That's the truth, the God to honest truth. So if there's something lacking, it is your responsibility to look yourself in the mirror and say, I deserve better and to go after it and not wait for a Monday or a new month or a new year like today. At what? Look at your clock right now. Tell, tell me from wherever you're listening, what day is it? You're like, Friday. Monday, Tuesday, what time is it? Like it's 2 p.m. on a Tuesday? Great. That is a great time to start over, to reinvent yourself, to start believing in yourself, to start to go join the gym, to go build the business. Make yourself happy because no one else can do it for you, but it is your responsibility. And if you're a parent, it is your responsibility even more so because you're going to teach your kids not to settle, not to settle for not being happy, not to settle for when you know that you could be doing more that you don't go after it. That when you know that you could be healthier and lose weight, that you just sit on the sofa instead. Our kids need us to be bold and brave so that they're bold and brave, so that we show them how to live a healthy life, a happy life, how to persevere, how to like, you would never say to your kids like that, that's too big for you. When you ask them like what their dreams are, what do you want to be when you grow up? Like you can feel that hope come alive in yourself. Like you're living through them. Like you want them to go after their biggest dreams. You want to succeed in life through them and, you know, like see like you want their wildest dreams to come true. Like, why would you not want that for yourself too? So when your kids tell you your wildest, their wildest dreams, you're not like, oh, baby. Nope, you shouldn't even try. Don't even try. You're not going to be strong enough for that. You're not, you're not going to be smart enough. Yep, you're going to fail. You wouldn't say that to them. So don't hold yourself back like that either. Don't say that to yourself. And whether you say it out loud or you just say it in your head, it's the same exact thing. You're talking down to yourself and we don't tolerate that around here. So this is story one of how it all started, how I built a dream job for myself and now have a staff, a a team. I don't like to say staff because... I don't feel like they work for me. We work together. We make it happen together. I couldn't do it without them. And I think there's seven of us and we love it. We love this job. We love this gym. We love our members and our members love it. So I want to keep telling you about my story. I want to tell you next week on the restraining orders and the story at Zenith and what ultimately squeezed us out of Zenith and got us to the location we're at now at Sanford. So I hope you tune in for another story time with me. Uh, I want to give you some courage and strength, a little belief in yourself through my stories to know that you are not the only one who is struggling, that you're not the only one who didn't know or doesn't know how to lose weight. Like I have been through it all. I smoked, I drank, 
I had no no belief in myself at all. And then I've had all the belief in myself and I've quit drinking, I've quit smoking and I've built a business. Like I am you. We, if I can do it, you can do it. And I know you hear people say that and maybe you'll believe it because I'm not as big yet as all these other people you might listen to on a podcast or, you know, I'm not this multi-millionaire you see on TV. So maybe, maybe you can't relate to them. So maybe you can relate to me. And I hope that I give you some courage and kick a little kick in the butt, maybe start a little fire in you to start dreaming bigger. Me and like, you know what? I do need to do something. I do need to see how strong I want to lift some weights. I want to feel good about myself. I want to have some energy. I want to build a business. I want to work on my time. I want to go have four kids like Erica. (laughs) All right, y'all tune in next week. If you like the podcast, share it with a friend because you know that it's always cool to share something you love with someone else and then also support a small business at the same time, which, you know, I am an entrepreneur and people would consider this a small business, but at the same time, I don't like to call myself a small business owner. I feel like it's playing too small and kind of puts me in a box here. So you can support a business from another woman And we'll call it a small business, but it's going to be bigger and bigger every single year as it has grown and more impactful. And I would love the chance to continue to impact your life and your friend's life. So give it a little like, share, follow, you know, you know, all the things. All right. Have a really great day. Bye.